You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 518 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, on this, and this is going to be a thoroughly caffeinated version of the podcast. It's about 2 a.m. now on Tuesday morning on the heels of what was actually a pretty fun game between the Hawks and the L.A. Clippers. The Hawks got a win by a final score of 123 to 118, and of course, this is a 10.30 p.m. Eastern time tip-off, which is actually about 10.40, getting that over after 1 o'clock a.m. and um, after post game and watching interviews and doing some study all that fun stuff we are now post 2 a.m. eastern and uh, please uh, accept my apology for anything that's uh, loopy on the podcast I'm on east coast time for a reason it's because I have a day job and I have to wake up in just a few hours here but hopefully we'll uh, hold the line during the podcast and uh, pre- present all the information that um, I'm sure some of you missed this game because it's, it, because it was so late People have to get up in the morning, et cetera, et cetera. It was actually a national TV broadcast by the strictest definition of that uh, particular phrase as the Hawks and Clippers were on NBA TV, but still uh, a lot of fun. And uh, the Hawks actually had sort of a coming out party, at least for some. I noticed a lot of national voices kind of checking out on the Hawks in this game because there was no there was no game opposite this uh, this particular contest. That's why the game was on NBA TV in a lot of ways, but uh, no other late game. The last other games that were starting were at 8 p.m. Eastern time. This was a 10.30 sort of standalone game, so a lot of, uh, I guess, fun national takeaways to this one and probably a good time for that if you are a Hawks fan to see the Hawks play well. So, you know, big picture, obviously, the Hawks getting a win on the road here is a very, very encouraging thing. There were a couple of things I want to touch on before we get to the actual game itself, one of which is that Anthony Davis stuff uh, is out there, the uh, trade rumor, the trade request that he put into the Pelicans, a lot of Hawks fans predictably asking me about um, that and potential for AD getting to Atlanta. I'll say that's, that's wildly unlikely. It's not impossible. Just quickly, the Hawks could have a pretty intriguing package if they wanted to for Davis, but because he's not likely to stay in any way, shape, or form, it probably wouldn't be a good idea to go ahead and pay top dollar for him. Davis is the rare kind of superstar player that actually is young enough to fit what the Hawks might want to do. But, you know, with all that said, it's very, very unlikely. I at least wanted to sort of address it here because people were asking me, but um, you probably wouldn't want to pay what it would take to get Davis without some assurance that he would be coming back. And I can't imagine that would, that would ever happen. So just follow that away for the future. And uh, I guess I guess dreaming is fun, but Davis is probably not going to be coming to Atlanta. Only other thing that I wanted to cut, touch on here before we get to the actual game itself is that a good friend of the program, Jeff Siegel from Peachtree Hoops, was actually in the building at Staples Center. He's a San Diego resident, so drove up for the night to cover that game. Um, between the Hawks and the Clippers, and he uh, spoke with Lloyd Pierce before the game. I got a, a brief update about Kent Bazemore. Bazemore is apparently going to be practicing on Tuesday per Lloyd Pierce. And the Hawks are going to re- sort of reassess um, where he is after that. He warmed up before Monday's game. Obviously, no uh, intention of playing in the game on Monday night. But uh, at least all indications are that he's probably nearing a return of some sort. That's important on a number of levels. Obviously, Bazemore has been a prime trade candidate, but you just want to see the guy get healthy. Um, the Hawks are better with Kent Bazemore in the lineup. He's one of their best players. So all that fun stuff. And uh, being him being on the trip at all is probably a good thing, and all things considered. But you know, Bazemore probably getting a little bit closer. No definitive timeline just yet, but he, he is planning to practice on Tuesday and we'll keep an eye on the developments there. So, to the game itself, obviously the big picture is that the Hawks win this game, but starting at the top of the contest, the Hawks were only six-point underdogs in this game, which might seem low. I got a couple of questions about why the Hawks would only be six-point underdogs against the Clippers. I will say this, the Clippers were on a second night of a back-to-back, so that's always worth keeping in mind when it comes to point spreads and just factors beyond uh, Atlanta's control. 
Also, the Clippers were without their probably their second best player, maybe their third best player, and Danilo Gallinari, who's been awesome this season. He's been out for a, the last couple of games here, but um, he was not available. That probably hurt LA's offense a little bit. Although, with that said, offense was not really the problem for the Clippers in this game. It was, it was kind of about their defense and the way they were not able to guard the Hawks. Um, but with all that said, a pretty strong start to this game. The Hawks won the first quarter by a 32-25 margin. There was an 8-0 run by Atlanta to go up 18-12 in the early going. Um, Hawks went to a two-point guard lineup early and often in this contest. Actually, only played three wings in the entire game, which is not a huge surprise. It's happened a few times during this um recent uptick, but at least in the recent past, they've been going to Tower Dorsey a little bit as the fourth wing. That, that never happened in this game. It was uh, only Prince, it was only Prince, Herder, and and Memory on the wing, and they went to Jeremy Lin as sort of that de facto fourth wing, and Lin ended up playing um, 24 minutes off the bench, despite the fact that Trey Young actually played pretty sizable minutes in his own right. So, Something to keep in mind as we go through this. Um, there was a preposterous look-off pass by Trey Young to John Collins on a corner three attempt in the first quarter that I wanted to point out. That was an awesome pass. Um, so, so I guess the third straight half that uh, Kevin Herter kind of got pulled a little bit earlier. They brought Torian Prince in early in both halves. And the second half is actually um, Prince coming in for Bembry a little bit earlier. They, they definitely want to play Prince um, more than you would think a reserve would play. He's playing. He's played 30 minutes in this game. He played 36 the other night. So that's definitely seems to be a point of emphasis to play Prince more than a traditional reserve, which, which makes sense. He was obviously a starter beforehand. They want to see him early and often. But that's been a theme that I wanted to point out once again. And John Collins shot the ball extremely well in this game in, in general. But in the first in the first quarter, two or four from three. And um, now after this contest, Collins is now 30, oh, sorry, 20 of the last 34 from three, 20 of the last 34, and that's 58.8% from three over the last, um, sorry, sorry that, that's over the, uh, I guess the month of January. So Collins has been basically unconscious for a calendar month from three. I'm not sure how much that weighs in. It's still a pretty small sample size, less than 40 attempts from three. But the fact that he's making them, shooting them with confidence, I mentioned this in the last couple of podcasts, including the one with Tower Jones that I did over the weekend. And that was a um, a theme. I think John isn't going to be a like a full-blown like knockdown shooter at any point probably. But if he can make a sort of a mid to high 30s clip consistently from three, from three point range, that would be huge. And uh, all the signs are there at least in the recent past with, with the way that he's been shooting the ball. Uh, elsewhere in the first quarter, there was a 9-2 run by the Clippers to take, come back take a, a one-point lead briefly in the first. That was kind of the last time the Clippers led in this game. For the most part, it was basically all Hawks, almost wire to wire. Not, not quite wire to wire, but close to it in terms of the way that the Hawks were leading this game. Bembry got a second foul um, late in the first quarter, and they actually went back to Trey Young in the two-point guard look once again. That was the only one that really surprised me. Once it was clear that they were going to go back that lap, I was kind of sure they were not going to go to Tyler Dorsey or somebody else because that was a, sort of the, the one spot where it would have been pretty obvious to go to a fourth wing, and uh, that was uh, sort of a pivot point for me in terms of the rotation. There was a nice off-the-dribble deep three from Kevin Herter in the first quarter. He's not been quite as aggressive since coming back from the, from the neck injury, um, and I thought he was okay in this game. We'll, we'll talk more about him later, but that was uh, probably the, the brightest spot in terms of just his aggressiveness and um, just confidence level to take that off-the-dribble like 27-footer that he actually ended up making at the end of the first quarter. There was a 9-2 to run, though, at the end of the first quarter um, for the Hawks to go up by 7. That, that actually finished off with a Troy Young run out to beat the buzzer, and that was uh, something that Lloyd Pierce had a really good game on out-of-bounds plays and ATOs and all that fun stuff. He was really, really sort of dialed in there, creating really good looks throughout this contest. In the first quarter, the Hawks set the tone with a 135 offensive rating in the first. 
Nine points for John Collins, seven points for Trey Young, eight assists, eight assists as a team. They just played very well in the first quarter, and that nine to two run at the end of the first turned into a fourteen to two run overall because the Hawks came out and scored the first five points of the second quarter to go up by twelve. The Clippers did have a nice answer, scoring seven points in a row. But after a timeout, Devin got a follow up dunk um, on the first play after that to sort of uh, stabilize things. 31 of the of the first 51 points scored by the Hawks in this game were from Collins and Young. That was a theme throughout the night. Those guys combined to score 48, um, but it was uh, more pronounced even in the first half as they were kind of uh, the, the sun and the moon and the stars offensively in that first half. There was an 8-0 run by the Clippers that came all that came later in the first half with both Young and Collins on the bench to get back within one, but they were, just, they were never able to overtake the lead. And that's uh, worth keeping in mind as well. Um, but I guess late, it was kind of interesting. There was some fireworks. Oh, by the way, Jeremy Lin did a very, very nice job, sort of underrated job at the end of the second quarter, sort of stabilizing the offense without Collins and Young. He fought back to build the lead back up after it got cut to one. So shouts to Jeremy Lin on that one particular effort, to be sure. Um, there was some weirdness at the end of the half. Jerome Robinson, a lottery pick this year, that was a weird, a weird choice from the Clippers, if I do say, say so myself, hit a three. He was actually fouled by Trey Young with .7 seconds to go. He missed a free throw to uh, seemingly go down by two at the end of the first half, but then Trey Young got technical foul going into halftime. I'm still not really sure what happened there. Um, it had to be something verbal because I think the, uh, the camera caught him. It wasn't like wasn't like he did anything special in terms of, of physicality, but um, I guess something was said from Trey that was a shot by Lou Williams at the end of the at the uh, end of the halftime break and beginning of the third quarter to get back within one. So I guess technically the Hawks were up by two at the half. It was basically one before the third quarter started, but all told, still the Hawks played well. In the first quarter, they got to the line 16 times, made 15 of them. 17 points for Trey Young in the first quarter. Sorry, in the first half, 16 for John Collins, 10 for Jeremy Lin. They shot 50% from the floor in the first half, and really offensively, it was very balanced. They scored 29 points or more in all four quarters. It was 32, 31, 31, 29. Very, very nice balance offensively, and it was pretty consistently um, a, a strong showing from the Hawks' offense in this spot. The third quarter was a little bit less eventful until the end of it. There was a ridiculous one-handed skip pass, I thought, from Kevin Herter early in the period. That was probably the best highlight of the game for him as a passer. That was a, that was a fun one. Pretty much a back-and-forth effort, though, for most of the third quarter. Not a ton of defense being played on either side of the floor. Um, Vince Carter came in, which was kind of surprising to me. Vince did not play at all in the first half, and given the way the Hawks have treated him this season, when he doesn't play in the first half, he usually doesn't play at all, but apparently they, they gave him the long warm-up to the uh, through the halftime break, got him out there. Pretty early in the third. It's been a nice contribution or two during that one stretch. Only put seven minutes, but it was actually plus 11 because he was on the floor for, for part of the big run the Hawks had late in the third quarter when they had a 17-4 to run to go up by 13 points. Alex Len had a huge stretch, had seven points there, about two minutes. Carter hit a three to force a timeout, and then after that, Lloyd Pierce drew up a beautiful ATO to get Torian Prince a three-point play, sort of cap that thir- that that thirteen-point swing that the Hawks had after after the Clippers tied the game. So Atlanta goes up by thirteen. They settled up. They settled only up by eleven as the fourth quarter opened. But in general, is a very very strong first three quarters performance. The fourth quarter was not quite as impressive because the, the defense just couldn't get stops as a general rule. But the Hawks go up by uh, fourteen early on with Devin hitting a three to go up by fourteen. They were up, actually up by sixteen with less than seven minutes to go. But um. Yeah, it kind of got dicey from there, I will say. An 8-0 run by the Clippers to get back with an 8 with less than 4 minutes to go. It got even tighter than that down the stretch. 
The Hawks went with Young, Herder, Prince, Collins, and Debman for the first part of crunch time, and then they replaced uh, Bembry um, for uh, Herder uh, at, at one point there for defense. And that was probably a, a wise choice in some ways. But uh, Trey Young got a huge bucket, I thought, at the 310 mark off the dribble with nothing with nothing going well for Atlanta's offense. He got a much-needed basket at the rim to score there. That ended up being a, a crucial point. And then uh, later on, after a big block shot from Torian Prince, which was nice to see defensively from Torian making a nice play, um, but Trey Young got to uh, another drop-off pass to Debman for a, what, what I thought was the dagger on a dunk with about 118 to go, and then Trey hit another three after that. That was, I guess, probably the more the more um, on-brand dagger to go up by nine. But I thought the, the pass to Debman was probably the, the, probably the biggest play in that whole run. So the Hawks hold on for what, we, what became a five-point um, win. Honestly, they were up by double digits for most of the fourth quarter, and that probably should have been a more comfortable win. Um, I'm sure Lloyd Pierce has some teaching to do on the heels of that performance, but in general. The offense was really good in this game. A 124 offensive rating, that's excellent, especially on the road against a pretty good basketball team. 51% from the floor. Didn't shoot it that well from three, only 10 of 34, but um, you got to the line 29 times, made 25 of them. That's very nice. 28 assists It's very nice. 19 turnovers is probably too many, but still not an overwhelming number for this team. They could probably outdo that with, with some positive shooting and good passing from certain guys. Defensively, didn't do all that well. A 119 defensive rating is not great by any means, but still did enough to win. 48% from the floor for the Clippers. They held Lou Williams to 4 of 17. You know, Hawks great and uh, South Carolina's own Lou Williams. He was not very efficient in this game despite the 12 of 12 from the free throw line that he had, but they were able to hold him in check for about three and a half quarters. The one guy they couldn't hold down was um, was Tobias Harris who had 30 points. He was very efficient and very, very good. 38 and 7. He's an all-star caliber player um, out in the Western Conference. And then Montrez Harrell was huge for them in the first half, but the Hawks did sort of clamp down a little bit in the third quarter. That was a nice um, thing to see defensively. Didn't do all that well again defensively in this game, but did enough to win. I will say, I thought the Hawks got a pretty favorable whistle in this spot. Uh, there, was, there was about a five-minute stretch in the uh, third or fourth quarter when they got a lot of calls, even to the point where Bob Rathbun and Dominique Wilkins on the broadcast were kind of laughing to each other about how they were getting some positive breaks for the Hawks in this spot. That isn't to say that that was the only reason why they won this game by any means. They played well, but um, I was surprised to see a young team on the road getting calls like that in the second half of a game. So they benefited from that. Uh, just a lot of weird officiating in this game overall. Even in the fourth quarter when it was almost academic, there was a lot of like weird stoppages in the last five, six minutes of the game. The Hawks, of course, hold on here, but um, not the greatest, uh, I guess, testament for uh, NBA officiating throughout this contest. Just want to point that out as well. So, um, again, big picture, Hawks played great, um, and on the road getting a win. They were only 6-point underdogs, which is relatively modest, but still go out, go out and lead by double figures in the fourth quarter, hold on for a win. It's about as good as you can ask for. So, with all that said, we'll come back in a brief moment to talk about the individual players in this game. And I want to take a moment to tell you about the Locked On Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of that network where we have a single um, show for every single NBA team, every single NFL team, as well as a lot of colleges and MLB teams. There's lots going on on the network, as well as national shows, lots on NBA, lots on fantasy basketball, all that fun stuff. There's plenty of content to follow along with on the network. And if you if you are a Hawks fan, please tell your friends about this podcast. Subscribe on a number of platforms, whichever pl- platform you choose. We should be there. If we're not there, please let me know that at BT Roland or at Locked on Hawks on Twitter. And uh, after this short break, we'll come back, talk about the players and how they performed in this spot. 
Okay, we're back. Talk about the players themselves. We'll start in the on the bench in this game. Um, the guys who didn't play a ton were Vince Carter and Amari Spellman. They kind of split the backup point guard. Sorry, the backup power forward minutes, I should say. Um, Carter played seven minutes only. It was all in the second half. He was plus 11, five points, four rebounds, two assists. He was very active. He seemed to be pretty energized, made a three, and sort of did his job. I was surprised to see him come in the game, as I mentioned before. But Spellman did battle, did battle some foul trouble, which kind of opened the door for Carter. And I think they wanted to go with a little bit smaller, more perimeter-oriented look for a brief time. It ended up working, obviously, so uh, credit to Oli Pierce for that, for pushing the right button in that spot, but I thought Carter played well and added quite a bit. Um, Spellman, five fouls in 11 minutes, but in general, I thought he was okay, actually. Five points, three rebounds, and assist. Two of three from the floor, one of two from three, and plus eight. You know, Spellman just was solid, had a couple of bad moments defensively, as he's as he's prone to do, but I thought he played pretty solidly here. And it's it's going to be a theme, by the way, throughout the entire breakdown here. Not, not a lot of guys didn't play well, honestly, on the road in this game. Torian Prince, 9 points, 2 rebounds, 2 block shots, a turnover, and 5 fouls, plus 3. He was 3 of 9 from the floor, 0 of 2 from 3, and 3 of 5 from the free throw line. I didn't think Torian played all that well. Um, I think, big picture, he was probably the player on the entire roster that I thought struggled most versus his common baseline. With that said, he had a couple of nice defensive moments, which was good to see, and and sort of a a pretty encouraging swing pass in the first half, I thought. He gave up a pretty open three for a swing pass to Jeremy Lin for a much more open three, and that's progress for Torian Prince. Between that, a couple of nice passes and a couple of nice defensive plays. It's the little things. I think that's what I've been been most critical of with Prince is his uh, lack of passing, lack of ball movement, and his defense. So seeing little snippets of those things is a good thing. In general, I didn't think he played that well. But um, I guess small wins in this spot. Uh, Jeremy, Jeremy Lin, I mentioned before, had a really, really strong close to the second quarter. But uh, in general, played well. 13 points, 4 assists, 2 rebounds, and 4 turnovers is probably a little bit too many. But still, plus 11 in the game in 24 minutes. 3 of 8 from the floor, 1 of 4 from 3, 6 of 7 from the free throw line. He's always good about getting in the line. He's good as a scorer. Um, Passing-wise, he had a couple of nice moments here, a couple of forces as well, but uh, Lynn just holds up well, especially in the second unit, that you can sort of throw him the ball and say, go get me a bucket, whatever you want to do that on, on the second unit. When the bal- when the lamps are sort of out of balance, you can kind of go to Lynn. That's a very, very nice thing to have as, as sort of an insurance policy for your offense. And uh, last but not least on the bench, Alex Lynn had a huge game, 19 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists, a steal, a block, and three turnovers for Lynn in uh, 21 minutes. So that's a lot of production for a 21-minute stint. And 7-12 from the floor, 5-6 from the free throw line. I thought he was all over the place uh, as a play finisher, as a defender, as a rim protector. I thought Lynn played very, very well. Um, I guess, you know, this is not new ground necessarily for uh, longtime listeners and uh, diehards of the Hawks. He's been pretty, he's been inconsistent at times this year, but I think Lynn generally has been a huge positive for Atlanta off the bench. He's a nice stabilizing force, one of the better backup centers around, in my opinion, the way he's been playing this season. He's still pretty young as well, so that that, that signing is definitely working out pretty well at this point for Atlanta. Uh, to the starting lineup in this game, uh, Kevin Herter and DeAndre Bembry didn't do all that much uh, as a tandem. Those guys were sort of under the radar in this spot. Herter, 2 of 10 from the floor is not one you want to see necessarily. 1 of 6 from the free throw line. Sorry, 1 of 6 from three-point range. 5 points, 4 rebounds. Did have 4 assists, 2 steals, and a block. So he's pretty active as a passer and as a defender at certain times. 2 turnovers. I thought Herter played some nice defense at moments. Um, he's not been bad all season long, but had a couple of nice high-end plays on that end of the floor. Otherwise, uh, not playing with quite as much force as he was before the injury. That's, that's kind of to be expected. We'll see how he responds the rest of the road trip. And Bembry, more of a defensive assignment in this game. Obviously, that's, court, that's sort of his specialty at this point in his career. But six points, four assists, two steals, and a block for Bembry. Two turnovers, two fouls in 28 minutes. Only took six shots. Had one really, really bad turnover that I remember, and also had one that probably should have been one on, on – uh, 
uh, one of the worst fast breaks you'll ever see in your life where he sort of uh, got caught in the air, left the ball up for Collins, who actually, to his credit, pulled it down, got fouled, made both free throws, so it ended up being a two-point fast break. But Bembry did not exactly execute that one very well. But defensively, he did what he always does. He's been, he's been very good defensively. He frustrated Williams as well as Torian Prince did, as, uh, and he sort of held things down against Patrick Beverly and Avery Bradley. He just did a pretty good job defensively. Um, Dwayne Dedman. Had some nice moments in this game. Double-double, 13 points, 10 rebounds for uh, the uh, veteran big man. Six of eight from the floor, one of three from three. Just good to see him play very, very solid basketball. Had a couple of just, I guess, big momentum swinging baskets. Wasn't like he was hugely dominant in this game, but a couple of timely baskets around the rim, a couple of timely uh, contests around the rim as well, the rebounds, and uh, just played well. He's been so solid this year. His force spacing has been huge for Atlanta, and it was in this game. And then the big two at the end here, John Collins, 22 points, six rebounds, two steals, and two turnovers in 30 minutes, 7 of 10 from the floor, 3 of 5 from 3. He was pretty quiet in the fourth quarter. I think he had 20 going into the fourth, um, ended up with 22, so it wasn't like he was explosive in crunch time, but Collins played well. Um, the rebounding was a little bit lower than you expected to be on, on, the, defense, on the defensive glass. The Hawks had a hard time on the, on the defensive glass in this game, but they were dominant on the offensive glass with a 38% offensive rebound rate. That's been huge since Collins came back. They've been really, really good in that area, but three offensive rebounds for Collins, four for Deadman, three for Lynn. They were all over the place on the offensive glass, and that's always keyed by John Collins, who was also very productive, very efficient, as he almost always is. Last but not least, Trey Young was awesome in this game. 26 points, eight assists, four rebounds, and only one turnover for Trey. 10 of 18 from the floor, two of seven from three. Isn't like perfect, but not terrible. Four of four from the free throw line. He was efficient. His passing was great. There were at least two or three more assists that probably should have been there that were just missed. And I thought um, Young was just really under, under control. He took probably one or two bad shots in the fourth quarter that I would not have approved of necessarily. But that's kind of what you have to deal with with a guy as confident as he is. He was definitely in a, in a um, confident place in this game. He was he was jawing. He was playing with a lot of swagger. That's what you want to see from that guy. He was He's plus eight, which was the best in starting lineup. I thought Young was just really, really good. And being defended by some quality guys. You know, Patrick Beverly is, a, is sort of an irritant. He's always uh, in guys' faces. Uh, Shea Gilders Alexander is very long as a rookie that Trey would know well. Even Bradley's even decent against small guards like that. So he did a very nice job against uh, quality competition on the road against the Clippers, a playoff bound or at least a, uh, at least a playoff caliber team in the West. So uh, another nice step forward for Trey Young. There's no way, no, no, no other way around that. He was uh, efficient. His passing was great, as it always is. And I thought he just played very well. He was very under control. And the eight assists, only, only one turnover is a uh, huge moving forward for Atlanta in the way that he can be efficient and productive. So again, last but not least here, the Hawks just played well. They played really well. They go on the road, get a win. I think if you had told me the Hawks win two out of seven games on the road trip, that would have been an acceptable result. I talked about that before they before they left. They were going to be underdogs in all seven games. They're now two and one on the road trip. Now, the rest of the road trip is still kind of challenging. They have to go to Sacramento. They have to go to Utah. Uh, Phoenix is not quite as easy as you might think as it's the second out of a back-to-back. So there's some perilous spots on the, uh, on the ledger here for the last four games of the road trip. But going in at two and one, after three games, uh, was unexpected to be sure with the way that, that the schedule broke down. So credit to the Hawks, they're now ten and ten in their last twenty games. That's of course an arbitrary endpoint, but still a five hundred team for the last twenty games. That is noteworthy to be sure. I'm not sure they're that good to be honest with you, but they're better than we all thought they were going to be. Even even I, who was famously out, out sort of on the ledge talking about how they would not be the worst team in the league, I was sort of pounding the pavement in. Um, you know, September or October, when folks were going out and saying they were going to be the worst team in the league and all this stuff, they're going to win 20 games or less and all that stuff. I was pretty confident they were going to be better than that. With that said, they're better than I thought they were going to be. So 
The Hawks are playing well. They are now clearly in a tier that is not in the bottom five. Uh, sorry, in the, in the bottom four. There are four teams in the league that are separating themselves. It's the Suns. It's the Knicks. It's the Cavs. It's the Bulls. The Hawks are better than them. Flat out better than them. Um, to the point where I think you can kind of kiss the uh, bottom three goodbye when it comes to lottery odds. I think the Hawks will be work- working from the number five spot and up. There's, um, I think if you are someone who's worried about lottery odds more than anything else, the Hawks still have a ways to go to get to the teams above them, like Orlando, like Memphis. So I think you're probably safe in that five spot or so. But at the same time, the Hawks are just better than the bottom tier teams. And that's just something that we weren't necessarily projecting coming into the year. But that's just the reality now. They're playing great. And it's the young guys. The young guys, this is very, very important. It's not the veterans. The veterans are doing a nice job. Um, Debman, Lynn, Len, those guys are doing a nice job. But it's, it's the veteran, it's the young guys, I should say. It's Collins and Young, especially. Those guys are playing great basketball right now, and they are helping the team to get victories, which is what you want to see from a young, developing roster. So with all that said, it's very late in the night here. We're getting like 2.30-ish, um, maybe even later than that as we are done recording this podcast. But please subscribe to the pod. I would really appreciate that. Please tell your friends. Hopefully this is a, uh, a nice, cogent um, uh I guess reliable recap if you missed this game, and I would I would encourage you to go back and listen and go back and watch it if you have the means to do so. It was a fun one to be sure. I really enjoyed it, and uh, with, if nothing else, we'll come back with another podcast. The Hawks are back in action on Wednesday night in Sacramento. I will not be on the scene there, but I'll be watching the game. It's another it's another late night tip off, so please forgive the uh, lack of uh, sleep between now and then. But that'll be the next time that you hear from me on the pod. So please stay tuned, and we'll be, we'll be here on uh, Wednesday night into Thursday morning at, at the very very latest. If something happens before that, if I can secure a guest, I might do I might go ahead and pull the trigger on that between now and then. But at the very latest, we'll see you guys on Thursday morning.